Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor scholars dig into the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all and equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Dr. Sophia Fosua. She is a professor of spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary and my colleague here and, and uh, uh, senior uh, faculty member here that I look up to greatly and love having her on the show. She's been on quite a few times before, and I love it when she's here. And our text this week is Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you never miss an episode. And while you're listening, if you enjoy the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass along this episode or the show uh, to others that may benefit as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Sophia. Well, let's uh, let's read Ezekiel and then uh, all righty. Let see me what, see what happens. Let me get my favorite Bible over here. You going to read or you want me to read? Uh, you want to read or you want to pray? Usually, I split it up, and I don't care who does what. Well, you pray because you're a good prayer too. And okay. this is this is one to fourteen. Is that right? Yep. Okay. That way, I get your translation of choice, so that's nice. Okay, I'm yeah. using NRSV. Great. Go for it. Okay. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal... Can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews upon them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones 
are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Thus ends the reading from the New Revised Standard Version. <laughs> the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray. Father, we dare to ask that you would send forth your word among us. Your word of promise, your word of command, your word of prophecy, and that your word in this hour would be accompanied by your spirit so that the dry bones of our thoughts and words as your creatures, mortal creatures, would be made alive so that we might be fit bearers of your word. For the living word of God is meant to be spoken and heard by the living, <laughs> not mm. the dead. And so insofar as there is deadness in our bodies and minds and hearts mm. this hour, may you cause us to come alive to awaken us, to illumine us, to quicken us mm. for the sake of the ministry of the gospel. We dare to ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, what a delight, as always, to have uh, you back on the show, uh, Sophia, and to have you on a text that um, you know and love and and are, are in fact working on a, a sermon yeah, uh, on coming a sermon up now. for this that was great to to that was a i gave you a couple options you're like well i'm working on a, i'm preaching on that one on that day anyway so right, i love it, it when that it. that works out and uh i don't know if i'd shared with you before but i mean this would be on my you know probably top five list of <laughs> pericopes in the scriptures. Your favorite text. <laughs> oh, I just absolutely, I'm just, I always find it so striking. And as this question, can these bones live? Can they? Yeah. So uh, just for you today, what what's immediately striking you? What's What's capturing your mind and heart just as initial observations to get us started? What's uh, What's grabbing you today? for me today to read that out loud, you know, we always read a text and we reread the text and so forth, but to read it out loud, I heard yeah. the shalls so many times. And mm. uh, I think this translation in particular uses shall instead of will. And uh, the force of that, the force of the, of, of the wording that God uses to say, these people are coming back to life. 
Mm-hmm. I shall. I shall. And they shall. They shall know. So the, 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 the force of the language struck me about this this time. Also, as I as I opened the text, this in and I've I've looked at this text a thousand times. As I opened it this time, I I saw Ezekiel being shown a valley of dry bones. And I don't know if it's because of some other texts that I've been working with recently, but the word unclean screamed Mm. out at me. You know, God is showing me something unclean because, you know, they can't go through the graveyard on the Sabbath. They can't let anything dead touch them. They can't touch anything dead. And here is God showing me all these bones. And so if I touch them, I'm going to be unclean. Yeah, the unclean, unholy. Yes. uh, And, you know, death is connected to uncleanness and unholiness. Yes. yes. Just as God, God's holiness is connected to him as a life force. Right. And the power of life. And if, wow, I, touch yeah. him, if I touch him, I'm dead. Yeah. That gives another uh, layer to, to uh, an extra layer of irony to Ezekiel's answer to God's question. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. You tell me. You, right? you tell says, me if they're coming back or not. Oh, Lord God, you here, know. I'm stuck with unclean. You know? That is a good insight. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think as a Jewish person in those days and times, and yet with the exile, they had touched so much that was right. unclean. So I don't know if he was desensitized because sometimes when uncleanness is around us in such magnitude, we get numb to it. Yeah. Likely not Ezekiel though, as a man of no, the priesthood, not <laughs> he was the, probably not, not, he would, he himself would not be desensitized. No, he might not be desensitized. But he the might people be could. Red alert. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that insight though, of the notion that the people in exile are either have become accustomed to their proximity to yes. uncleanness and or had an anxiety about have we been rendered unclean by our exile by association are, yes are we even worthy of being uh returned being right? returned or being raised because they they probably in the exile felt like we're dead you know this is over yeah so and, and so another thought that comes to me, and I, and, and, I, and I don't want to crowd anything out here, but another thought that comes to me is seeing a valley of, of bones in the early Christian church, we're used to the places where they, you know, the bone library, you know, where they put the bones of the saints and all of that. Mm. But a Jewish person seeing bones saying, why has no one buried these people? Were they oh, so right. annihilated or so obliterated that there was no one who cared about them left to even bury them? Yeah, and that parallels. Uh, so you noticed unclean, and unclean. now we see shame. Shame, because right? the the greatest shame is to is to you know have your body just left out for the birds. I mean, that's the worst for the vultures. Yeah, yeah, to not have the honor, the last act of honor that your family does to you is to collect your body and uh, have it decomposed properly and then collect, and then in a later act, collect those bones and place them in an ossuary. That's right. That's right. The respect of the dead has not, the proper respect shown to the dead has not been, has not been given here. That's a good insight. Yeah. 
unclean, unclaimed. <laughs> I, you know, nobody claimed my body, you know, and, and maybe even unloved. When yeah. we think of death these days and those who are sent to the pauper's burial grounds, mm-hmm. nobody claimed their bodies. They're in the morgue. You know, the state can't identify any family members and they're placed in unmarked graves, often a burial field, but, or they may even be cremated nowadays. But before there was the pauper's field, you know, for the unclaimed and the unloved mm-hmm. or the people who died so separated from their families and the folks that cared about them, that there was no one there to do the customary right. You know, so you're looking at Mary and, and, and these women going to the tomb of Jesus and, and it's dangerous. They are yeah. women. Those are soldiers over there. They, you know, anything could happen. And yet they so love Jesus that they, and they so felt it important that the proper burial right be yeah. executed. You know, so you've got this, nobody buried y'all. Unclean, unclaimed, and so unclear. <laughs> Where's, what is our status? What is our yeah. status? You know, as it's, as it's applied to the whole house of Israel, of course, this is mirroring the thoughts of the exiles. Yeah, the metaphorical sense of the text is because of what happens later in the story. Oh yeah. 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 It can be easy, easy for us as Christian interpreters to, and we do need to go there, but if we rush there, we'll miss the, the sort of actually quite natural figural interpretation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, that is that God himself makes quite clear in his own interpretation of the sign Right. Um, when he says, I will lead you back into the land of Israel. I mean, this is, this is meant to be an, an exile and return uh, vision, you know, and yeah. the exile has already taken place. Yeah. Ezekiel himself is not even back in Israel. He's, he's now uh, in the exile. And he's so he's this imagery of, of the people, the whole house of Israel, as he says, these bones are mm-hmm. the whole house of Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's not talking about, Mm-mm. at least at first glance, not talking about individual resurrection here. No. This is saying, what is the fate of this people? You know? Right. Have we been left? We've been rendered unclean. We're unclaimed. The election yeah. of God apparently yeah. has been revoked. Yeah. Um, now, now, the, the, other th- the, the next thing that strikes me as I look at this passage, it's enough for a good Jewish man to have to look at a pile of bones and wonder about the, you know, the cleanliness part of it, you know, whether I'm going to be clean or unholy or, you know, or whatever. But now they walked around, they walked around. And what do you see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at that. that. They walked around. He didn't just say, see, and then go on and, and, and give the interpretation. But he said, walk around, take a good look at what death looks like. Walk around this. And so I'm thinking we've seen mass graves in our lifetime. And we've seen Auschwitz and Dachau. And, and I remember visiting Dachau uh, when, I, when, when I was in Europe. And, and the, the, they've got this big iron sculpture of bone attached to some bone, not necessarily its bone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a bone graveyard done in ironwork saying in, in the language, lest we forget. Uh-huh. And so 
looking at the bones because his remarking as the bones start coming together, each bone came to his own bone because they must have not been by each other as he's walking around and looking around. Right. So this is disarray. This is destruction on steroids. This is the utter uh, shame of the nation. And, and then what do you see? Unless the grave robbers have come and picked the place clean, maybe there's a necklace here. Or right. maybe there's a scrap of cloth there. Some sign that it used to be alive. So as he's walking around, I really wish he had said more about what he saw. Yeah, that's a classic fraught with background moment in these Old Testament. Yeah, and I've never really noticed. That. I gotta confess, I and this is and it and like you say, there's this is such value of reading scripture in community with another, as well right. as hearing it. You hear things you might not see. In I always have made the mistake. I probably saw some painting at some point, and it yeah, overdetermined yeah. my reading. Pictures were the thousand words, right? I've always kind of seen him kind of like looking over mm-hmm. uh, at like on the edge of it. Right. Or yeah. maybe even up on a thing right. and perhaps because of the kind of wind coming down, but the opening line is so clear. Set me down in the midst of a in valley the or the middle. I'm yeah. touching. <laughs> and he led me around and among them. So then not just like, okay, you're going to, I'm going to pick you up by the hair and stick you in here. And then you're going to stand perfectly still to yeah. make you safe from the cleanliness walking around yeah to, and, and what i touch death he had to touch death and, and what i'm hearing in in it may be a little sort of meta moment for our listeners but the both in terms of exegetically as well as in a sermon itself just the importance of setting the scene really yeah yeah experiencing it before even the words kick in you know yeah uh just get the scene clear and imagine it you know and and it's a very different the atmosphere of the of the text takes on a new ezekiel knee deep in bones (laughs) knee deep there it is yeah you know thinking just the visual of it and 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 preachers and and i know that you know this this fresh text is aimed for those who do preach but if we look at our communities we are knee deep in bones. <laughs> knee deep in bones. Well, with that thought, let's take a quick break and then uh, come back and, and keep digging in. All right. Greetings, dear listener. I'm your host, John Drury of Fresh Text Podcast, and I wanted to make a special ask of you. Would you be willing to consider supporting this show? I am happy to keep doing this uh, for free. I enjoy it. I enjoy it greatly. It's work that I'd be doing anyway, and it's just more doing the prep work that I do all the time uh, out in the open for the benefit of others. So I love doing this show. However, I am a complete uh, technical moron, and so I rely on two dear old friends of mine, Todd and Eric, who I thank at the end of every show, and I really mean it that I cannot imagine doing this show without them. To do any of this technical stuff would require a whole bunch of skills that I just don't have and would take me away from the work it takes to uh, be deep in the word to be able to do this show. 
So in order to help them to defray some of the costs that come with that of both time and work and equipment and site hosting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if you'd be willing to go to paypal.me forward slash fresh text podcast, or just click that very link that will appear in the show notes for this show, if you can click on that and donate any amount of money that uh, your heartstrings lead you so to do. We would appreciate that so very much. Again, I don't need to line my pockets. I just got to pay my producers because at some point they're going to say, sorry, we can't do this anymore. We don't have the, we don't have the time uh, and I'll have to find somebody new. And I really like to keep partnering with these guys because they do such great work. And so sheerly out of my own gratitude, I want to invite you that you and your gratitude would help support the show and support my team. So go to paypal.me forward slash fresh text podcast to support the show financially. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with uh, Sophia Fasua and we are looking at Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 14. We've got the scene set. We've talked a little bit about how the original uh, context, uh, original hearers might have felt Mm -hmm. it and how that then starts Mm -hmm. to relate to us. So um, yeah, as we dig in, I'm struggling with an interpretive question of, you know, and I hinted at it earlier, even with the reference to the metaphorical as well as the how quickly we run to the new testament connections oh yeah no that's a tricky one with a text like this because it of course its power is that it's a promise and that it's a little open-ended and can be taken in different ways yeah and i don't want to foreclose that too quickly though you could almost not pick a chapter that more directly invites the new testament response (laughs) than this one right so yeah i just i wanted if if you had any thoughts on how to juggle that i think we rush too quickly to the happy ending because uh i'm thinking about pastors that i know in dozens of cities uh you know because we left with the thought right before the break of being knee deep in bones Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I know pastors in very, very troubled areas that are statistically rendered some of the worst of the worst in America, you know, and all of that. Yeah. And and we can't run quickly to I'm going to breathe and y'all are going to live. And, you know, because they're looking at too much death to get there yeah. too quickly. And I, I wonder if 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 we as Christians don't have this habit even of rushing past people's pain. And rushing past the, the 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 direness of their situation to offer them uh, all is well in the world happy ending before they can work their way there first. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the, the progression of how this restoration takes place, you know. So and, and and again, reading the text out loud, I heard it for the first time as as though for the first time this time. God says, "Okay, prophesy to these bones," and He said, "So." I prophesied. Yeah, I heard. I heard it in the way you read it. <laughs> so you know, so I did what I was told. So I prophesied, but but then when he said breathe on him, he said I breathed. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't say you know. Okay, since God said this, I'm going to breathe. He's already convinced by the coming together. But uh, there were they came back to themselves in stages. 
And I don't know if we as practitioners of ministry allow for the stages. We say, okay, I prophesied you get up, but no breath is in them yet. Yeah. And I think that can map on both theologically and practically to the, the word and spirit, right? It's, it's like, especially as in our ministry, and this Mm -hmm. is kind of like, this is maybe even some thoughts about preaching, even if Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be preached explicitly, they could be, we'll see. But I think it's not only did you help us and help me to kind of really camp out in the setting of the scene, but then in the unfolding of the scene, Mm -hmm. the word is powerful. Yeah. And yet it is, it, it, it only kind of creates a vessel that I read in, yet in which the spirit comes yes. in. And so there yes. is that kind of twofold motion and movement of God. Right. Um, that's really, I mean, especially for preachers, it's really helpful to recognize, to be reminded always of both the power of the word, Exactly. But also the limits of the word, right? <laughs> and for those of us who believe in entire sanctification, you know, this is a wonderful yeah. passage because it lets us know that um, the activity of God will be evident and all of that, but there's stuff, something of the spirit of God that we mm-hmm. need to get there. Well, it's two works of grace. I was wondering, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is a little like, Old school holiness sermon, right? Well, the word comes and gets you saved. And then at a later time, the spirit comes and and makes you active. Yeah. So at the risk of sounding like we're going to, you know, set up a doctrinally rigid, you know, interpretation here, we still have to recognize that in spite of our preachments, and I heard that Mm. term preachment a long time ago. It's quite old. In spite of our preachments, that people still need the power of God in their lives to come out of their graves. Mm-hmm. In spite of our preachments, in spite of the best word that we can say and a word that comes from God, because sometimes words don't always come from God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in spite of all of that, there's still something more needed. You know, remembering the, 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 the episode, the pericope where the, the blind man gets his, you know, I see men as trees walking, he gets a second touch, you know. There's something else yeah. we often need. Sometimes it happens in one instant moment, but sometimes we need something else. And I, I, I still keep linking this back to ministry. We want to make people, we want to declare them healed and whole too soon sometime mm. without laboring with them, without sitting and praying and walking in the boneyard with them for a little while longer. We want to get there too quickly so we can put another notch on our belt and move on to the next project. And I think this is telling us to tarry with people for a while. Yeah, it's beautiful. The image in seven, just it keeps using this language of sight and behold. Yeah. Just fitting with what you were saying. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Oh, so I prophesied. <laughs> and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling or an earthquake, perhaps. We can come back to that if we want. The bones came together, bone to its bone. Yeah. And I looked. Mm-hmm. Behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. The event between word and spirit yes. 
is a moment not only of this kind of miraculous, you know, setting up of these mm-hmm. bodies, but then also the the prophet is paying attention. Yes. He's seeing what's missing. Yes. So he's not just, hey, look at this miracle yeah. that I just did with my words. Look <laughs> at these bodies. <laughs> right. It's okay. Look at these bodies. Praise the Lord. And yet something's missing. Something's these are still, cor- these are still corpses. These right. Because <laughs> uh, what do you, what's the difference between a, you know, a, a living body and a, and a corpse? It's that, it's that breath, that breath of it's, life. That's what right. makes the difference, which is right. the same word for spirit, ruach. Right. That there's I, I still that life force Hebrew. missing. I haven't chased the Hebrew lately in this, but you know, I used to love to chase the words in the Hebrew lexicons I, and see, but, but I'm pretty sure that this is the one that's often used for spirit when we're talking about spirit and the predecessors or the theophanies of the Holy spirit and so forth. So, so, so we, we need the spirit of God to completely come back to ourselves. You're, you're chasing it now. I can see. I sure am. I sure <laughs> you're am. chasing it now. So end of eight, but end of eight is, but there was no, yeah, it's Ruach. Yeah. Um, so it's okay. the same word for spirit. It and it, and it's a it's a it, it comes out strange then be, and I can see why the the translators want to emphasize in both of our versions that we had today say breath um, and there's good reason for that because we're talking about the absence of breath in a in a mm-hmm. corpse as well as this strange phrase in verse 19 then becomes prophesy to the spirit which yeah. makes a, a some Christian. Christian uh, translators uncomfortable, like because we're we're maybe importing our yeah. Trinity doctrine in there, like oh you can't yeah. command the Spirit what to do. Right. Although that's precisely the whole point, right? Is is the way that God, and even then in the phrase, uh, I'll double check it, but isn't there a phrase the four winds? Yes, this is in verse nine, the latter part of verse nine. Thus says the Lord God, come Let's from the four winds, O breath. And breathe upon these slain that they may live. Oh man, that they may live. So here we are with a mortal man calling for the wind. Yep. Now that in itself is odd, you know. Oh, Which yeah. one of us, the wind and seas, obey us, you know? <laughs> He's calling for the wind, and the wind comes. And solves the problem. The problem is they have no breath. And the wind comes and and solves the problem and satisfies the need. And he called for it. Have you ever seen a prophet call for the wind? <laughs> Not in so many words, but the I mean, in the I think I sense what you're referencing, but say more. I've only seen it once out in a revival in Atlanta in a tent meeting. And I remember a prophet calling for the wind. Hmm. I think because he was afraid to call the spirit that way, but he called Uh. for the wind. And, And we all knew that it was code word for he was asking the spirit into the, into the, into the meeting. And I remember the tent flaps flapping. Hmm. And, and, and this 
this, this profound understanding that the wind of God had come into the room, you know, and we were witnesses to it. And so I've only been there once, you know, for, for that to happen, but calling for the wind, that's, that's a daring prophetic move. Yeah. And the, the way that the word Ruach can be used to refer to the wind Yes. Or to the breath. Or to the breath. The breath of God or the breath breath of a human, right? Or spirit uh, in the sense of a kind of divine power. Right. Um, And I I at least tend to take this text as being uh, sort of intentionally a little ambiguous. Uh Or if not ambiguous, at least multivalent, right? It's the layers. Yeah. Yeah. The layers of. Yeah, we're talking about the wind that blows in, like you said, like you described that calling for the wind. Uh, but we're talking about the breath of life. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about the very spirit of God that was blowing on the, the waters before there was anything. Right. And in fact, it whatever word you pick in verse nine, mm-hmm. there's going to be at least one time when it's not going to make sense in English. <laughs> Right. Right. And and, and that's the limitations of Bible translations, period, you know, because a lot of the things don't make sense. And so, of course, the translators try to make it make sense for us. And they often take us away from the original meaning of the text. And in most cases, I mean, I I always like to say, you know, we don't need to use our knowledge of biblical languages to cause the congregations to not trust their Bibles. No, no, Uh, no. But <laughs> there are there are times to to invite people to just see the layers of something, you know? Right. And you can almost, with nine, you could almost substitute it in and read it all three ways. You could do this in a sermon, mm-hmm. depending on the kind of culture of a church, I suppose. But, right. Um, you know, then he said to me, prophesy to the wind. Yes. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. Like, that actually yes. makes more sense. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O wind. And that sounds weird now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or four and, directions, yeah. And blow on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied in the, and the wind came into them. Like that kind of works. That, that works. And, and you could say prophesied to spirit or you could yeah. do it with breath. You could do all three and it brings out different senses. Right, right, yeah. right. Or you could read it in multiple translations as you're preaching. Yeah. Uh, that actually do experiment with the other the other words because they they're, they're kind of cognates uh, right there and 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 that would help a congregation see what's happening here. So you're yeah, starting yeah. with an absolutely hopeless situation. No bone seems to have been joined to its bone because he remarks they came back and found his his mate. You know, and mm. and and you you've got. Ezekiel knee deep in bones, knee deep in misery, knee deep in the things that make you unclean or make you feel like you're in the wrong place. And, and, and then you've got God asking a question, God who already knows the answer, asking you the question, can this live again? And then wind and bones and all these things are happening here. Uh, it's, it's really a fantastic scene. And I wonder yeah. about the chronology, how much time this text took. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun, and you can do that as a thought experiment exegetically, and you could even roll that into a sermon depending, again, on the context where you, where you actually say, I want to just invite you to picture this as, mm-hmm. as a whole day or a whole week, you know, mm-hmm. 
uh, or a three day. Yeah, this would be very suggestive. Three day. Well, three days journey, is very right? suggestive. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> right to, so just spend a whole day walking around the valley, right? right? And that would really give space for the really the recognition of you know the bones, the unclaimed, the unclean. And then the power of the word, and yet the word waiting as he speaks this word. And, and I know he prophesies again, but it's the language of, you know, hear the word of the Lord. Right, um, right, 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 right. And, and then the, the, the fact that in a resurrection, it doesn't always happen all in one big instantaneous swoop. But there, there, there is a progress progressive can i say that a progressive thing that's happening yes absolutely and 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 that we often have to wait on it we often have to wait on it and oh man i just fitting with that it just just struck me something i never saw before in verse five the the prophecy is inverted in the order in which it flows out the breath of coming and you're going to live. Right. Right. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Verse six, I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. The opposite way. The opposite way. And and that could even be relevant back to what you were announcing or, or hinting at with the, that sometimes the way we speak forth, a word of good news. Yes. The way that that unfolds might be in a different order. <laughs> and it, and we so expect it's not just, <laughs> Right. It's not just the length of time. It's also because the sound, I know I, I got to confess again that I, because of the language of spirit and, and wind here throughout the story, I've always tended to kind of picture a big wind coming in and, and right, shaking right, all right, the bones. Right, yeah. But there's no reference to that. No. And, and so it's almost the bones themselves just kind of coming together just based solely on the power of the word. So the word is very powerful here. Right. And yet it still awaits the, the coming of the breath. I, I have a kind of a curious question to ask at this point. You just pointed out that in the, in the preview, which is in verse five, five and six, that, that it's, it's the opposite way. The breath is coming and then you're going to, you're going to come back together. You're going to get your, your flesh and your bone and all that. Uh, do you think Ezekiel might've wondered if he did it right when it <laughs> happened? To- <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's a fun image to kind of think, just like the one you said, like, so I prophesied, like kind of, yeah. and, and that's not, that's not reading too much in because of his answer to God. When he says, Oh Lord God, you know, I mean, you, you know, that's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe yeah. <laughs> I don't see it, but sure. I guess I'm here uh, with bones touching me. I can't tell you anything. So then he prophesies and then to have this image of him. You know, and this this classic case of even how you read the text, the beginning of a sermon, you want you're already planting some interpretive mm-hmm. seeds for your for your hearers. Right. It's a kind right. of picture you can almost scratch your head as you say, Right. There was no breath in them. Like Yeah. Like you're not what doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and then God speaks again. Yeah. Prophesy now to the breath. Yes. Right? And that's yeah. the kind of second act, the second work of grace. No, I'm just, I keep, I keep oh, doing there you go. <laughs> silliness, that holiness. But I, I, I also see that very clearly. I see, I, see, I see two things happening there. Yeah. 
It's not just one instantaneous and they got up an army and, and, and served the Lord. It's two things happening here. Yeah, and interestingly, there's no hint at the beginning that it's going to be a two-stage process. No, no. Yeah. In fact, the, the, the preview that comes before he says, so I said what I was supposed to say, it, it, it suggests that it's all going to be done at once. Well, this is all then relevant for his, for God, who interestingly, and it's, it's, a, it's common in Ezekiel, that God has him do a thing, then God interprets, God is and, the interpreter it of, the, it's, it's interesting. It helps him, yes. Uh, we usually think of us interpreting the acts of God, but to have oh, God yeah. interpreting actions that he commanded us to do kind of exactly. turns it on its head. But even there, the, the two-step rhythm uh, appears, you know, verse 12 Mm-hmm. Be old, I'll open your graves, raise you from your graves, my people, and I'll bring you into the land of Israel. And right. you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you. That's kind of the, basically, I'm going to bring you back from exile. That's how you'll know right. that I'm the right. Lord. I'm still with you. And 14, I will put my spirit within you and you will live and I will place you in your own land. Now that could just be Hebrew parallelism. These are two ways of speaking and that's possible, but I do sense a twofold it parallels in Jeremiah where it's, I'm not just going to bring you back. I'm also going to write the law in your hearts, right? I'm, I'm actually going right. to transform you, you know? And he's speaking to a dispirited people. Yeah. They're yeah. alive, but as far as they're concerned, it's only in existence. The, the, their spirit has been crushed. They are crestfallen. They are in exile. And God said, you're going to have spirit again. Mm-hmm. They, they may have felt like the walking dead. Yeah. They're going to have spirit again. So in the sense that the, 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 the bone coming back to bone and the, and, the, and the muscle and all that in the flesh, that might mirror where the people think they are right now before they get back to their land. There's a lot of things that I'm, I'm looking at in here, some of them for the first time, because they are in exile. They have lost their beloved city. They have lost their beloved temple. And, mm-hmm. and they may feel like they're just dead. Yeah. And as far as it, what does it mean for a nation to be a nation? Well, yeah. without a land and its own language, its own culture. I mean, th- exactly. th- this is death. Uh, it is death. It is. It, when when you read this text as a collective experience, yeah, you know, um, yeah, we're still we're still alive by the or, rivers of Babylon. Or, we sat down yeah. and we wept when we remembered Zion. We exist, but this isn't life. This isn't life. this isn't the breath of life, yeah. right? Oh man, well that's good. Well, let's take a break and come back and explore some sermon starters. All righty. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury, and I'm here with uh, Dr. Safia Fasua, and we are exploring uh, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel, knee-deep in bones. So, let's explore some sermon starters. Where, uh, where, where might you go, or wh- where are you heading with, with this uh, well, text, um, since you're working on a sermon for it in the in, in times past, I've taken a couple of a couple of approaches here. Um, one has been the whole issue of perspective: what we see and what God sees, as far as mm. our possibilities and our our ability to have faith for restoration. 
Ezekiel sees bones. And as we said earlier in our session, he might have seen that now I'm unclean with these bones. But God saw living people able to be restored to their lives. We in our communities, in some places, we see decay. Hmm. We see um, we see corruption. We see drugs and violence. We see death. And God sees the possibility for restoration. And so to shift our own perspectives, to see as God sees, and then to have the guts to speak the words that are necessary and call for the wind. Hmm. That, I mean, that's, 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 that's a sermon right there because maybe the community is so crumbled that we all need to call, not just the preacher call for the wind, but maybe we all need to call for the wind together. Maybe we all need to speak the word together and maybe we all need to call for the wind in order for a community to be healed. Mm -hmm. I just saw a newscast about a particular city where the people in the morgue could not go home at night because these, uh, I think it was fentanyl deaths. Mm. someplace in Ohio, fentanyl deaths were at such an all-time high that they were building a second morgue, and it's a small city, uh, and, the, and, the, and the morticians could not leave the premises and just shut down for the night because the bodies were coming in with such regularity. Ugh. I mean, that's death. That's a graveyard. Full, that's knee-deep in bones. Yeah. So if you are preaching in that community, first of all, you need this, the courage to speak the word and you need the wisdom to know when to call for the wind. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and maybe a shift in perspective to know this community is not doomed. It's not yeah. over here. There are so many pastors that are ministering in rural communities, suburban communities, inner city communities, outside the city communities, where the problems are so great. I, 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 I used to pastor farmers, and I think of the farm crises, you know, mm. just recently. And, and how would I preach? How would I preach this if I were there again? Uh, I've been in the city. I've been in the suburbs. I've been, you know. When you see so many problems as a minister, we often need a shift in perspective to even have faith to preach hope. Yeah. And so making that shift with God and to get past, so I prophesied as I was commanded <laughs> to, I commanded the wind. God said commanded and I commanded the wind. So there are some steps that we have to go through and our congregations have to go through in order to get to a place of having enough faith for those who have no faith at all. The dead have no faith, they're dead. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so to have the few of us who are Living. have a little bit of life left in us. little life left our, in us, yeah. Our, our task is to, um, and the gift we have to give is uh, the faith and the hope in the face of the doom. Yes. And really giving space for the doom that exiled Israel was experiencing. Yeah. And the doom that Jesus himself entered into in his death. Right. And the, the, the feeling that we as a community are doomed to, to name that, right. to be with it, to stay to name with, it. with it, to sit in it for a few minutes, to, to, yep. to sit with the 
with the grieving because obviously they're grieving over something that didn't happen, you know. Yeah. And and to deal with people who feel unclaimed. Yeah, I think really camping out the first third just on those first two verses. Oh yeah. Oh, in the yeah. middle of the valley and it was full of bones. And the second verse ends with they were very dry, right? They so dry. <laughs> uh, they've been dead a long time. They yeah. didn't just get dead. This yeah. has been going on for years. Exactly. The name that we're not just being, you know, hit with a, a, some troubles. No, no. And then uh, as, as, as a preacher, if I'm walking around in the valley, I might take the liberty of walking around in the neighborhood mm-hmm. with my congregation mm. and talking about the things that I know trouble them. Yeah. The clothes factories around. or whatever it might be. The signs of death that they, they, that they reckon as uh, irreconcilable or irreversible. And, and, and so preaching a word of life doesn't mean the factories coming back, the coal mines opening up or whatever it was that, that troubled them, but it means God's going to make sure you can live. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt to remind us that, you know, this is at the beginning of a 70 year right. journey. Yeah. It's, long know, journey. So it's not, it might not be immediate. Mm-mm. And even when it begins, it's a, it, it unfolds in stages as we've been emphasizing today in general. And it doesn't um, look like we expected. <laughs> and it doesn't look like we expected it. It's going to take a very different form that may in fact be in fact better than we would ask for, but that doesn't right. mean we're going to see it that way. No. Um, when it comes along. Yeah. And then like kind of camping out for a third, really setting the scene. And then a third, I'm thinking just the shape of the sermon, not the as points. The sermon, it, right, it's, right. It, the, this is a kind of sermon where it's like, you just want to hug the text. It's, it's you just so want to hug good. the text. You don't want to stay from it. <laughs> uh, but then you can think about proportion. Yes. You know, when you're hugging a text and not using points, then I tend to think, okay, and I'm a rule of thirds guy, just, just aesthetically, you know, rhythm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Really give a good third to naming both in their world and ours. Their world uh, and ours, because the parallels are, are, yeah. are, are numerous. And then that middle third, then really on the on that first initial word and how the word can come and they introduce that new problem of what happens when the word of God is spoken and you've experienced mm-hmm. something happening and yet there's, it's not enough yet. It's not enough yet. And I think that'll fit. I think a lot of folks will, will, will grasp people of like, yeah, I, I got saved. I got, you know, I, 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 I been turning my life around yet. There's something still a little emptiness that remains. Any I person people who's are gonna, ever been to an AA meeting or knows, an NA yeah. meeting will get yeah. this. Yeah. There's got to be something else that happens in my life before I don't want to run for the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the people who love them will get this. Yeah. Yeah. You can be sober. Um, but it, well, I mean, the language we use uh, of sobriety, uh, sanity and serenity, right? So like we mm-hmm, do the serenity mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and, and, but it's recognizing that like, I gotta, I have to even get sober, right? Like, like, yeah. but you can be sober and have not touched it in years, but still be, still be going crazy. Right. I, yeah. And, and that sanity and serenity comes over time through a journey of transformation, right, through, of, a journey of, of transformation. Yeah. 
I, I think because of, you know, and, and, and we have lots of languages in our theological classes about uh, um, instantaneous conversion and progressive mm-hmm. conversion. You know, the person who knows the day, the moment, and the hour, you know, yep. when they got saved. And then the person who says, I just eased into it and can't even tell you when it fully happened uh, or if it has fully happened. And, and understanding that this coming back to life is more like progressive uh, progressive conversion and progressive sanctification that we, we, we walk through it in stages and, and then it takes something from God to get us over the step, you know, so that we can get there. And then teaching congregations uh, to labor with those who are coming in as new converts or new members and who are still dead in a Mm -hmm. sense to labor with them until the breath comes into their life. Yeah. Cause I mean, one way to even pitch it is, I mean, this is, maybe too much of a stretch, but it's, it's a, a thought is, I mean, I, I'm inclined to just say for me as a preacher, to, whether this would be said in a sermon or not, mm-hmm. just to all those listening in who are preparing for preaching or teaching to just say, man, if they're in the room, mm-hmm. you know, they're already, they're already moving from dry bones to right, gathering. Right, right. They're, they're part the of room. the gathering, right? Cause there's the right. gathering of the bones. You can say, if, if you're even a seeker of any kind and you're with, the community, you've already, you're already moving in the right direction. Right. Um, but it may, you might still be waiting for mm-hmm. that spirit to come upon you. And it, it seemed to me, I was thinking when you mentioned the progress, I was like, this pick, this imagery in many ways kind of validates both sets of language, right? It's both mm-hmm. this miraculous intervention of God coming together. Yes. And yet also an unfolding and to not, because in many ways, these debates about instantaneous versus progressive seem to be a kind of, I've always had the, and I haven't perfectly articulated this thought. I, I satisfy, I'll never be perfect, but I don't have a satisfactory articulation of this, but I've always had this sense that, that that question's almost kind of moot. There's a kind of, there's some kind of false assumption underneath the thought that you have right, to right, right, out. Right, 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 yeah. Is it a, like, are there, uh, does God engage in apocalyptic momentary transformation? Yes. Right. Does yes. God unfold through a dance? Yes. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> like, why would we, why would we think these two are chosen? And in, in and in our lives, in our communities, are there some who have tasted more of the one than the other? Yes. And bear witness <laughs> to that. Yeah, of course. And right. or the other and the one and both bear witness to the goodness and faithfulness of God. And anyway, that's just. And and while both bear witness and both are in our midst and we can point to people on our pews who have experienced it both ways, we have come into a cultural uh, environment where we are microwave Christians. Hmm. We expect Mm -hmm. to put it in the thing, press the button, say the right things, pray it the right way. And when the button dings, everything is all well. And yet it doesn't, life is not like that. We do need to make the space for both kinds of things. Right. Because even, and because what, what you have here is even the, the, the instantaneous event, there's two of them, right? So Mm -hmm. even, even if it's a big divine Mm -hmm. intervention of God, there's still a space between, you know, 
and to give room for those spaces between yes. the, the, the intervening of God. So for those who in the room want to say, I got saved and this is the date back there. Right, right, right. Question, yeah, but are you, are you now just kind of sitting there waiting for right. the breath, right? Right, there's some, there's on the still breath. More, there's still more to come. Now, whether that's all going to be an aside or whether that's kind of background noise in our minds as we're preaching the sermon, or if it's an explicit shape of the sermon, I think is up to, up, up to each preacher how to kind of best capture that. You know, if you've got people in your congregations who have explicit kind of commitments and views that maybe need mm-hmm. some gentle correction, then it, may, it might need to be made explicit. But for others, you may not, you may not, you not have to. to say any of that. You might, but it can be informing the, the shape of the sermon. Um, and then the, the, yeah. the other thing that comes to mind is, is I, if I think about preaching this passage, how much do we really believe in resurrection? <laughs> there it is. There yeah. it is. Do we really believe that the dead are raised? Yeah. Yeah. Because if Man. we don't, we can't, we can't even hear this passage. And I mean, the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is, you know, it's not even clear that Ezekiel does. So in a way, at, no, when, was, the, when the story starts, yeah, yeah. And, and I have an old sermon on this passage. I, I didn't even think I'd bring this up today, but I, I think I'll throw it in because you said what you said about, do we really believe in resurrection? I've preached on this during Easter before, mm-hmm. uh, not a, like during the Easter season, maybe a couple weeks in. And, and it's that question. God asks him the question, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? I said that, in, and I've done the sermon with God's asking each and every one of you here this question. Can these bones live? Yeah. Um, can the bones of your life, again, metaphor for individual, for the community, for the nation of Israel, for actual death, right? Yeah. And then I, and I have a four, I go, there's four possible answers to this question. This is quick. It won't take long. Uh, there's a bad, the first one is, is a bad Old Testament answer. Right. A bad Old Testament answer is no. <laughs> they can't. Yeah, yeah. And it's a kind of an OT answer because there are languages, you know, the Old Testament sometimes just says, like, you just die, you die. You know, like, yeah, what yeah. does it even mean? Uh, the dead can't praise you, God, right? Yeah, right. Uh, they, don't, they don't do anything. And that's all in Ezekiel's mind enough that, like, the bad Old Testament answer is no. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do that. He gives the – that's the second answer is the good Old Testament answer is, Lord, you know. Right. Yeah, but yeah, if it's, yeah. if it's true, it's because God does it, not because of anything that the bones have in themselves. You know, this is not immortality of the soul. Like you die mm-hmm. and you go to heaven, everything's fine. It's no death is an enemy. And if it's defeatable, it's only by God. And then I say, then there's the third thing I say is then there's a bad new Testament answer, which is an easy. Yes. Right. Can these bones live? Yes. That's actually not the best way to answer the question. Uh, it would be better to say, oh, you know, Lord, because the, mm-hmm. these bones are dead. I don't know what to do with these bones. To just say, oh, yes, it, easy, no problem. But the actual, the, the the good New Testament answer is he is risen. He is risen indeed. Risen indeed, right? That's, right. It's not that there's something in these bones that can live. No, it's no, that, no, not, not by themselves. It's that the son of man, Jesus Christ himself, has been raised from the dead. And because of that, because, oh, Lord, you know whether bones can live, and because you raised your son, Jesus, 
then we can have the faith that this is possible for the rest of us too, but not because of anything I can grasp about mm-hmm. what it means to be raised. Cause believing in resurrection of the dead is a, a tough cookie. You know, that's not a, it's not an easy what? one to bite off, but I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And in that I can hope for also the resurrection of all flesh. That's the, a quickie. The, yeah. the, but this is, this is still asking us another question. Um, Do it. Yeah. I believe in resurrection in the sweet by and by. That's the average church member. Yeah, yeah. But do I believe in resurrection right here, right now, in that person, in this community, in myself? Yeah, because why the if Lazarus we did, so perfect. Yeah. then we could make room on the pews for people who have been in other circumstances trying to come to God. Yeah. If we really believed in resurrection. But because we are quite sure that it takes. Yeah. We are, are, are hesitant to make room for the persons whose sins are obvious to be resurrected and live a new life in Christ. Now the unclean, the, the unclean, the dead in the boneyard. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I guess that's why I was thinking about bringing Jesus into it at some point, not to say, because the whole point is to not say, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of a bad New Testament answer to say, yeah, that can happen later. Because isn't yeah. that exactly what, Mar- yeah. isn't that what Martha <laughs> says to Jesus in oh, John yeah, that's, 11? That's exactly. Mary and Martha, you know, coming, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And do you believe? Yeah, someday, you know. But 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 can you can you believe it now? Yeah. Do you believe your brother can be raised from the dead? And Martha says, yes, he will be raised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he will be raised in that gray uh, getting up morning. <laughs> and Jesus, and Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. Of the life, right. Right. It's happening right. now in the present. Yes. Um, and we can believe in resurrection, not just as a distant hope though that too, but in this present life, because in one among us life. has already been raised. Right. It's right. Himself. Right. Right. And he has placed himself in community with the, unclean and the unclaimed right yeah i mean how much how much uh how much connection to john 11 and lazarus that one's going to make is a judgment call for each preacher it's it's a judgment call for these are companion texts you know in the lectionary but there's so much to unpack in ezekiel you almost don't want to get it complicated with the lazarus text because it's got its complications of its own too you know right uh I, i i would say if if i wanted to no, talk about why they were paired together. The unclaimed and the uncared for mm-hmm. are raised as well as the righteous dead. Mm-hmm. So those that, you know, the house of Israel is supposed to be considered God's people. And, mm-hmm. but, but at this moment, something cataclysmic has happened and they're, 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 they're unclean and they're unclaimed and they're, they're being raised by the power of God as are these people that we don't even think should have been dead. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And some of that's a judgment call too, to your, to your local church. I mean, if your church is practicing in an explicit way, Lent. Yes. And you're, and you're kind of keeping the emphasis on penitence and yes. Confession, then you could see maybe just staying in 37. Right. Um, right. You know, but you know, if the sermon stands alone or it's close enough to Easter and you really want to emphasize the Christ at the center of that hope, 
You mm-hmm. could really preach it either way. I, I don't think there's a, you know, a, and a I, and I think, right or wrong I think answer. Both ways bringing, bringing the resurrection of Christ in as an understanding and an, an example of, of, of the belief in resurrection yeah. and the proof that we have, the living proof that we have that, you know, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Uh, yeah. I, I think that helps us conceptualize because there are some people who are concrete thinkers and they cannot think about this. Yeah, that makes sense. Because this, this is not, this is very concrete and not abstract for no. the exilic, uh, the exiled people of Israel. Like they get right. it. They know what this is going to look like. They know what um, this is going to look like. But you're right. For us, sometimes we can lose a little track of that and um, to, to concretize it is crucial and helpful. Well, thanks so much for giving this time. Any, uh, any last thoughts or insights that you just want to slip in under the, under the wire here? I want to give you the, the, the floor if you want. I think this is a difficult text, um, you know, on a number of levels, but it's a rich text for the preacher. I think the preacher has to deal with his or her own um, strength of belief in the resurrection. Uh, yeah. I think that's the, the first hurdle. That's a prayer closet war. And that's a war as you sit under the tutelage of the text. Yeah. How much had I been Ezekiel, how much of this could I have swallowed uh, before you take <laughs> it to your congregation and, and present it as gospel and truth, you know, how much of this could I have, 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 have absorbed and dealing with the, the, the reality of ambiguity and doubt and uncertainty and all of that in our faith life. And yet God is willing to demonstrate to an Ezekiel who, who he was kind of in the, in the fuzzy area, you know, here, Lord, you know, and so I prophesied and, you know, so you see him coming along in the text as well. So dealing first of all with our own ambiguity. And then secondly, I, I really cannot stress enough that we have to be honest about what's in our preaching community. Yeah. Where are the places of death? Where are the places where they feel that they're challenged beyond hope? Um, and, and can we um, acknowledge, I see that, and I recognize it as a valid cause for concern and fear before we walk out of it together. Mm-hmm. Getting to the punchline too soon is the, is the failure of many a sermon. But yeah. being able to recognize this is concern. Yes, we are afraid. Yes, you lost your grandchild. You know, whatever the, the, the issues are, uh, naming them, naming them out loud, allowing time for sorrow, and then leading us to, to resurrection and celebration. So I think giving, giving time for the sermon to marinate in the hearts of the listener as they are hearing this miraculous story. Yeah, that's a good word. It- you uh, you want to maybe end with that? You you had a little prayer that you had shared earlier that was inspired by the John eleven, the companion text of Lazarus. But I feel like it had good resonances with these themes. If you'd like to share that, maybe to as an ending word. All righty, uh, let me uh, open this up and and get this ready. Uh, this this again this this was written when I was preaching the John text in, in Lazarus, but this is still a resurrection text. It's called Waiting in the Tomb. Hmm. God, I heard you call my name, calling for me to leave this place of death, of stench and sadness, to re-enter a world of fresh air and light and laughter, 
but I was afraid to answer, afraid that my answer would offend those who had never known this kind of death afraid of being chased back into this very tomb, afraid of only tasting life briefly before being forced back to the grit and grind of this living death that has become my dreaded existence. But you haven't stopped calling my name. Hmm. You haven't stopped calling me by the nickname that my family used back in the days when I did not know pain or fear or want. You haven't stopped calling for me like you care about me. God, if I come out of here this time, please let it be okay. Mm. Amen. 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 Can these bones live? (laughs) And they. Lord, you know. <laughs> Lord, you know. Oh, wow. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for the time that you've given and uh, to the text and to the Lord and to our listeners. Uh, appreciate it so much. Thank you for inviting so, me. Glad to be with you again, John. Yeah. And thanks, as always, to uh, uh, Eric and Todd and their great production work. I can't imagine doing this without them. And thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And with that said, we say to y'all, Have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.